Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Love Curvy Yoga. Thank you for joining us again this week. I am super excited because I have a guest co-host. And as you know, every week that that happens, I say that I'm super excited. (laughs) And this week is no different. So um, this week we have Dr. Karen Lawson joining us. <laughs> she is also a curvy yoga teacher and she is a licensed clinical psychologist in Are you in Miami? Did I make that up? No, I'm in Miami as well as plantation. So I have two offices. Okay. I I want to be in Miami. <laughs> I've never been, but I think that I want to be there. <laughs> you're, you're always welcome. Thank you. So okay, so were you did you Graduate Curvy Yoga in 2016? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I can't remember, but I think you were in that group. Yeah. No, maybe not. I I feel like it might be a little bit longer than that. Yeah, it has been longer than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely. You may have been 2014 or 15. I can't remember, but you guys had such a great group. (laughs) We did. You really did. You were so much fun. We had so much fun with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We loved it, and we still stay in touch. I love that. I love yeah. that you guys still stay in touch with each other. That's the best. Mm-hmm. That is the best. Um, okay, we are going to jump right in before we do. As always, um, if you are enjoying the podcast, you can like and subscribe. And you know, I already know that I love it when you screenshot when you're listening and you post it on social media. I love that. So. <laughs> And tell us what you're doing while you're listening. It's the most fun. But we are going to jump right into our practice notes for the week. So my practice notes are um, pretty simple. And that is just that everything is an option. So I have been working out with a friend of mine. And I said something to him the other day. And he was like, well, I'm just giving you options. Like, you're, you're really, you're doing the work and you're doing what you want to do. Um, but they're all just options. Like you don't ever have to do anything that you don't want to do. And I was like, that's so great. And it's so true. Like in your yoga practice too, that, you know, when you show up every day or, or once a week or once a month or however often you practice and you show up on your mat, that just everything is an option and you take what you need and you leave what you don't. Um, and I was just like, oh, that's just a good reminder. Like if you have a personality like mine, sometimes you might feel like someone tells you to do something, you have to do it. Um, so it was nice to hear him say, you don't ever have to do anything that you don't want to do. And I was like, that's my approach as a yoga teacher too. And I need to give that to myself, uh, more often. (laughs) What about you, Karen? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I feel like mine really, um, connects with yours in so many ways. I love it. So I feel like a life lesson that I got from yoga was um, that I don't need to compare myself to other people. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I felt like yoga was the first avenue for me to really be more aware of how comparison is infiltrated in my life. Yeah. And then I think curvy yoga really even strengthened that awareness around my tendencies toward comparison. Yeah. When it happened in yoga, but also beyond other, you know, venues of life. And um, I think that, you know, the behavior of like looking to others as our measuring stick Mm. is really useless and um, self-defeating in so many ways. Because we all have our own unique gifts and aspects to our life. And 
and our bodies as yes. well. And so it's it's all about rather than can I do what that other person's doing? It's about how do how do I feel? Yeah, you know, and how do I feel in my body? Whether I'm not whether or not I'm in a place where I want to challenge myself, yeah. or maybe I need to slow down and nurture myself. Yeah, and both are okay. Yeah, um, and it's up to me to figure out if which one's good for right now. Yeah. That's really good. I love that. That awareness is, and it does, it kind of, it can start, you know, for you like on the mat and then it just kind of infiltrates the rest of your existence. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's, it's happened in business and my private practice. Yeah. I'm looking at other clinicians and what they're doing with their private practices and should I be doing that or, and then realizing, listen, this is my, this is my business, yes. my practice. Yeah. And um, it's funny that the 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 word for you know private practice in psychology and and just the idea of practice in yoga as well yes you know yeah that's um, really good yeah i love that that's so great okay so we are going to jump right into corner of the curve and i am so excited to share this um interview with you anna and i had the opportunity to speak with amy day a little bit back and we're just now posting it. And I was so happy um, just to get to listen to it again. We really enjoyed talking to her and I'm so excited to share it with you. So here we go. Hi, everybody. Liz and I are here with Amy Day, who we are so thrilled to have on the podcast. So excited. Amy is a longtime yogi, writer, herbalist, mama, and lover of all things creative. I am personally a lover of that list. That's such a great list of amazing things. Amy believes in crafting practices and communities which support us inside this life right now. Which I love it. We can just stop right now. (laughs) That's like over. I have things to go do. (laughs) That's pretty much what we are all about right here. Really bringing these practices into the here and now. Um, Amy also believes in creating rituals and relationships that liberate, activate, and sustain us. She works with groups and individuals that are hungry for transformation, the type that shows up not just on the cellular or soul level, but that ripples into the world beyond, which is so important. And she does all kinds of work as a teacher, podcaster, healer, storyteller, and hopes to inspire us all to use the mighty tools we all possess to craft the type of world we wish to inhabit. So welcome, Amy. Yes. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here. So on your website, it says that you believe in DIY healing, which is such a cool phrase. And we would love for you to dig into that a little bit for us. So what might that look like? Or could that look like? And how might it look different for different people? Hmm. Um, well, so, I mean, I think there's a few different things I wanted to touch on inside of that. I think a, a huge part of it is just, you know, so my understanding of yoga and one of the first things that really drew me to it as um, a practice was this idea that you hear a lot, right, that the you're not seeking outside of yourself for answers. You're not going to, um, you know, a, a medical provider. You're not going to a guru, even though we know there's a lot of guru type <laughs> dysfunction within the uh, the yoga culture, right? Um, <laughs> which is another topic. But <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> this idea that you, if you can get quiet enough, right? If you can turn inward, if you can withdraw from some of the noise, then, you know, a lot of the healing, a lot of the answers that you're seeking, they're there, you know, they're inside your cellular memory, they're inside your wise heart, they're inside this wise body that you are in. Um, and, and I think it's just such a really, I think it's just so necessary to return to that again and again, right? Because mm -hmm. we can re get really caught in this cycle of, well, if I can just find the right expert, the right teacher, um, yeah. if I can, you know, get this mythical prescription from somewhere else, um, then I'll be on the path. Then I'll get the kind of healing and transformation that I need. And I think really, um, it, it just makes us really vulnerable, right? It takes the power away from us. It take and it puts it in the hands of um, someone who may not have our best interest at heart. So I think yeah. when we can reclaim these practices that center ourselves as the teacher, as the the practitioner, as the empowered one, that's when we get back to a place of solvency. Um, and it, it, it that's the place I want to live in. You know, I yeah. want to live yeah. in a world where, you know, most of my, my agency and my sovereignty lies outside of myself, specifically not when it comes to my own healing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to be able to know that I can take steps and right here, right now yeah, to, to, yeah, to be in a place of, of solvency and healing. So, like yeah. Well, and for me, I'm just thinking of so many examples in my own life when I have looked outside for healing. I mean, number one, starting with many years of dieting before I shifted mm -hmm. into a place of more body acceptance. And I made that sound really easy. Of course, that happened over many yeah, years yeah. <laughs> and continues to unfold. Um, and what I was thinking as you were talking is how not only do those sources not have the answer that we're looking for often, but mm. those are so often just sort of generalized. I mean, I want to even say the word somewhat random advice that who knows if it even applies to you in any way whatsoever, much less yeah. whole cloth. Whereas when you are really turning within, then I think you do connect with those answers that you have inside, like you said, and also can take any advice or whatever you are receiving and really filter it and say, does this actually make sense for me? Or in what way does it and what way does it not? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting, too, because so I was raised, um, my father is, a, uh, in the herbalism world, we would call it an allopathic or just basically, you know, Western medicine doctor. Um, mm -hmm. And he's a wonderful human being. But I also know from being raised by this person, um, that his toolkit's just limited. You know, he yeah. is not taught natural systems necessarily. He's, you know, a lot of the medical establishment at least is being given this whole toolkit of, uh, pharmaceuticals, you know, <laughs> yeah. I know growing up in my house, there was a pill for everything. And it took me like leaving my childhood home and, you know, having to learn, you know, about plant skills and, you know, healing through, um, you know, food and mindfulness and, you know, healing movement and to be like, oh, wait a minute. So the, it's it, it just, yeah, like you said, it's, it's finding what, you know, what is the toolkit and, and reestablishing re that baseline connection with myself so that even when I do go to someone for outside help, um, I'm not 
counting on them to be the expert and the be all end all, you know, so I can go to my, my, my loving father now and be like, so I've got this thing. And if all he has to offer me is, you know, a a prescription, then I I, I can check in with myself, right. And be like, huh, okay, well, thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's, that's not going to be the right choice for me. Uh, um, It's a limited toolkit, you know, and when we source, when we self-source, I guess, you know, it becomes a much greater toolkit that we can pull from. Yeah, I think another kind of side of this coin, too, I was just talking to a friend of mine last week um, about how he, and I guess this really relates more to like emotional healing, but he waited until he's now in his mid-30s until the last year or so, hoping that people that kind of had caused hurt and pain in his life would be a part of his healing or that they would somehow initiate healing for him. Mm. And he hit his mid thirties and realized I'm actually, I'm going to have to be responsible for my own healing Um, and seeking out what does it look like for me to take steps to heal myself? Um, So I love, I mean, I love this entire conversation of you kind of being in charge of your own healing, whether it's physical or emotional or mental or, whatever. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. That's really good. Well, you already kind of touched on this a little bit, but our next question is how has yoga been a part of your personal DIY healing and how have you seen it aid others in their healing? Um, well, you know, I, I come to the practice from a similar, um, you know, background as, you know, as many women our age, right, you know, like, we're the product of, of diet culture, you know, many of our mothers, you know, my mother, at least, and, you know, her vision of health was a certain body size. Ours, um, too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so being raised in that, steeped in that, you know, like, I, you know, I think I kind of started on the eating disorder track when I was about eight years old, you know, mm-hmm. Um I have memories of, you know, going to school and, you know, I would, uh, you know, I'd throw my lunch away in the girl's bathroom because that, that was like my virtuous thing. It was like, oh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to skip that meal today. And, you know, being exhausted on the walk home from school, like, you know, not trying to, you know, like, why am I so tired? Because you're yeah. going to need and But that um, coming from that place where, um, you know, my body trying to manage it or, or even just this feeling like my body wasn't a safe or sacred place to be right. Because it wasn't okay as it was. Mm. Um, it needed to look and feel a certain way in order to be okay. Um, and trying to kind of get at that from the outside in and, you know, like many people, um, my first few yoga classes were the place where, you know, just the light bulb started going on. It was like, Oh wait, you mean like maybe my body is, is a safe place to be like, it's, it's okay for me to be in this skin. It's okay for me to feel how I'm feeling. It's okay for me to like, you know, feel my appetite. It's okay for me to feel my strength. It's okay for Mm -hmm. me to take up space. Um, and that was kind of the, the entryway to that kind of permission, you know? Um, And it's, you know, it's ironic. I think about it now because I, you know, many of my first, you know, yoga teachers were those kind of very traditional, um, you know, petite, uh, what we, what we think of as a traditional yoga teacher, you know, very small kind of gymnast build bodies. But for some reason, I think the practice that they were sharing was so powerful. It transcended, um, 
I was able to get past, you know, like, oh, well, I'm supposed to look like them because the experience of the practice was so powerful that it enabled me to get into my own experience rather than, you know, looking outside of myself for like, oh, well, if I can just achieve this mythic form, then I'll be safe, then I'll be okay. Um, So it gave me that first hit basically of what it was to be okay right yeah. I mean it was yeah. like you know yeah. that the, the wellness gateway drug if you will totally <laughs> yes 100% yeah yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Well, and I feel like what we've been talking about really goes back to what you mentioned a little bit earlier in terms of just expanding that toolkit where I think yoga, like you said, is very often one of those first tools or the gateway, um, whatever great metaphor we want to use. (laughs) Um, And I know that another one of yours is writing. And that's definitely one of mine too, whether it's journaling or sharing through curvy yoga on the blog or whatnot. Um, And you say that words in writing are your love language, which I don't know why I haven't said that that's mine, because that's perfect. (laughs) Um, So can you talk about the importance of writing, particularly in the context of this toolkit conversation that we're having? Yeah. Um, You know, I think that was something again, that came to me early on being like a super sensitive um, very emotive, uh, child even. Um, and there wasn't a lot of places in my world where it was acceptable to confront a lot of the kind of bigger emotions I was feeling. Um, and so of course, yeah, it did come out in, you know, kind of disordered eating and that kind of thing. But, um, but another really safe place to put that energy was on the page, you know, like that was a place where no one could censor me, no one could tell me like you're doing it wrong. Um, and that was a place where I could really show up honestly and frankly with myself. Um, and it's just continued, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, even my yoga practice has changed so much over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, it used to be a really, really, um, super physical thing, right. You know, I had a couple different teachers who came from the Ashtanga tradition, Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely was following that tradition for a while of just like, you know, well, the advanced practice is the one where there's many, many arm balances and you're doing all these (laughs) crazy things with your body. And then I got an injury, um, and I, it all of a sudden, you know, I could not do the type of practice that I had been putting my body through for years and years. And so it asked me to expand my practice in a whole other direction I mean, at the, at, honestly, I wasn't really excited about, you know, <laughs> I was like, right. no, damn it. I want to like roll up my mat and do the like, you know, do the 40 sun salutations and sweat it out and get out of my head. Yeah. Um, and so this is when, you know, this whole other side of the toolkit asked to be reopened again. It was like, well, guess what, sweetie? Like your practice right now is to slow down and be gentle with yourself and, you know, <laughs> close your eyes and pray and meditate. And hey, guess what? You can open up the journal again and you can write about how shitty you're feeling and what's coming up for you. And this is another way of moving through it and releasing it, even if it doesn't look all that um, impressive. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it's just been another vehicle. And again, I think it comes back to that DIY thing. You know, it's like at a certain point, you have to stop 
chasing down the fix or chasing down the miracle or chasing down that next expert or healer and say, okay, what do I have right here and now? Um, and sometimes they're, the, the tools are so simple, we overlook them. Um, and writing has been one of those for me that it's just, uh, I, I, you know, there's no denying, like you, you spend just, you know, set your timer for 20 minutes, spend your time just letting things release onto the page. Um, there's an alchemy there. So, and, uh, yeah, it's a very, very low tech alchemy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I think you're so right in that in some ways it feels easier, like big air quotes around easier to say, Oh, isn't there somebody I can pay $1,500 to, to like fix this issue? How could (laughs) writing something down possibly be really what's going to be helpful for me? And like you're sharing, it definitely has been a major tool in my own life. And I'm wondering what advice you have for people who feel a little um, eye rolly or hesitant or just unsure of how to get started with what you're talking about, which is really turning to the page when something is coming up. You should know that she's asking this question on behalf of me. (laughs) (laughs) So the question as far as how do you get past that initial resistance of feeling like this is this is too simple to be beneficial or, or how do you get started or, yeah, I think um, that. And then also when people go to sit down, like what are there prompts you recommend? Do you recommend just putting pen mm, to paper and seeing what comes out? I think there's lots of different ways to do that. I'm just curious what you like to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, I mean, cause some of the best advice I've gotten at least about, you know, physical asana practice is just like, you know, roll out your mat, set your timer and do it for 10 minutes, you know, yeah. and it's not about doing a certain set of poses. I, I, I can definitely be someone that likes to give myself a very orchestrated sequence of things I must do. <laughs> um, and I've, and which can be great, but it's also, I've learned that's a really great way for me to procrastinate. Right. It's just yeah. like, well, I can't possibly practice unless I get, you know, you know, my fair share of inversions and, you know, hip openers and whatever, you know, but it's like, if you just roll out your mat 10 minutes, right. And start moving more oftentimes than not, you're going to find you get exactly what you need. And so I think I I have to come to my writing practice with a similar, um, expectation that, um, the wisdom's there and I just need to create an opening. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I get too much into my own head. It's like, well, I should be writing about this or, you know, I should be writing, uh, in a certain format or with the expectation. Right. I mean, cause we're all in that, you know, online space. A lot of times we show up on the page and it's like, well, I should be writing a blog or I should be writing, a, you know, <laughs> right. some piece that I'm going to send elsewhere. And I think it just comes back to like, we need to have a practice of just showing up and having a safe space where we can just let whatever wants to come through, come through. Um, and that doesn't have to look like much. So for me, it just is, you know, I, I, I like to have a set time of day, you know, I'm a, I'm a little Pavlovian that way. And if I can just train myself like, okay, it's 6.30 and your ch- child is still asleep and you have this window when the coffee's kicking in and, you know, there's not 97 other things vying for your attention. Yeah. Set the timer, open your journal, get it out there. Um, and a lot of times it's gobbledygook, you know, like I can't yeah. even read my handwriting half the time. But I also know <laughs> that there's something, something has transpired when I, when I give myself permission just to 
emote and let it, let it happen. So, um, yeah, it reminds me of, I, I, I'm going to say this is my favorite quote and then I'm going to really butcher it, but, um, from Martha Graham and she talks about how it's not our job and she's talking about in the context of creating, but I think that this is really relevant to just creating this toolkit and how you're showing up for yourself. It's not our job to decide if the work is good. Our job is to keep the channel open, which really reminds me of what you're talking about here. I love that quote. I love that you quoted that. (laughs) It just feels like divinely synchronistic. It's like, oh my God, she's quoting Martha Graham to me. I found my people. Uh, Yeah, yeah. we'll put the full quote in. That's not my like haphazard remembering, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so how important is being willing to sit in discomfort to our ability to not only heal ourselves, but also the world around us. Right. Mm. So man, I mean, I feel like that is the practice right now, not just on the mat, but in the world in general. Um, (laughs) and I mean, so what, what I say to my, my students a lot is this, you know, when we come to a group class, like this is a laboratory, this is the Mm. safe space where we practice getting uncomfortable in a physical or maybe even emotional way so that we can confront it lovingly in a safe container. Um, This is not the end, you know, this isn't like, okay, we all, you know, we rung the bell, we said our namastes, we rolled up our mats, and then we went back to just living life the way we were before. This is this it's it's practice, right? It's like, here's this safe container where you can practice getting uncomfortable, um, shifting how you show up inside of that so that when it comes up, you know, in the larger world, you have some some skills built up around that. Um, And I think it's it's so important now. I mean, it's because I think for the longest time, you know, as a culture, especially as, you know, Western kind of, you know, white commodified yoga culture, if you will, like we treated this as a, you know, very much as a retreat practice. You know, this Mm -hmm. is a place I go to kind of retreat from the craziness of the world, even the craziness of my own mind. Um, And we left it at that. And I feel like now we as practitioners of every stripe and shade are being asked to, to, build up skill sets, you know, like use that sanctuary, use that retreat of your practices as a way to build resiliency in, you know, as a, uh, you know, as, a, as a citizen, right. As a, as a piece of the larger conversation in the larger world. Um, yeah. Don't, don't, don't just use it on the, you know, don't get stuck on the mat. Right. Yeah. That's just the, that's the the practice. We really want to take it beyond. So I, I feel like that's a big piece of it right now for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think if you, um, if you don't allow yourself to sit in this, the discomfort, you will never know that it won't kill you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we run from things, um, yeah. out of fear or whatever. Um, and when you allow yourself to sit in it, you realize it re- like it, you are not going to die in the discomfort um, and that you will actually gain from sitting in it and learning from it and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's that kind of, that, you know, shadow type work, right? That's kind of a, a very buzzy type <laughs> notion these days, but it's yeah. like, 
you know, by turning away from the things that, um, that causes discomfort, we never, it, it keeps coming back, right? We know yeah. that if we keep turning away from the parts of ourselves, the parts of our world that are just feel too icky, feel too overwhelming, it's going to repeat itself, right? There's yeah. no good, but it's like, so what, what does it look like to turn towards this thing that feels so gross, yeah. so overwhelming, so bleh, um, and, you know, it's just been my own experience, um, you know, just in my, you know, I, I'll use it, you know, so I used to do this thing, I had a very fight or flight relationship with my, my husband. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a very dynamic partnership when things are <laughs> amazing, they're amazing. And then, you know, he and I both have very big personalities. And when we get into conflict, it can get very big in a hurry. And my go-to response for the longest time was like, oh, I just, I need to exit this, this marriage. I need to exit this partnership. Mm. And it would turn me into this whole spiral, you know, and, and it wasn't until I developed this practice of like, okay, what is it if I just sit with this rather than going into this kind of fantastical idea about, you know, like moving away from him and then all my problems will be solved. It's like, what if I turn <laughs> towards this? Yeah. What if the, you know, the solution is here inside the conflict. Um, mm. And it, it sucks. It's, it absolutely sucks. You know, it's yeah. much more comfortable to envision my life, you know, just living out on an Island somewhere by myself where I don't have to deal with other people's humanity <laughs> <laughs> or my own. But, um, but it's been a deeply transformative practice just to turn towards him and towards yeah. us rather than like, ah, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. That's Turning good. into it. Yeah. Well, and I think this is all really relevant to something that you also talk about, which is this idea that your medicine is needed in this world. Mm. And I'm wondering what you, first of all, do you think everyone has a unique medicine to bring? And then number two, how people maybe take the first step in figuring out what that is. Well, well, first of all, yeah, I absolutely, I, I do. And I think we can all attest to this, you know, as, as those of us who've taught group classes or group programs of any sort, we know that there is something that happens, right? When we are working in a group context, even if it's as simple as, you know, we are standing at the head of a room or, and leading most of the discussion, there is still, or even leading a group class, right? There is still an energy, um, it's co-creative. You know, mm, I like to say that to yeah. my students all the time. It's like this particular thing, you know, that we're experiencing together right now does not exist. Uh, I'm not the sole creator of this. You know, yeah. every time we show up, you know, two or more of us show up and we engage in this work together, we're co-creating this. This is a communal um event. This is something that we have all brought energy, intention, love, devotion, all of that into. Um, so yeah, I, I know that to be true. Um, you know, and even, you know, parenting has been a, a, a tremendous, um, uh, realization of that for me, you know, here's this yeah. really tiny person who, you know, according to the, you know, the, the ideas of our culture, you know, should be rather unsophisticated and shouldn't have much to bring <laughs> to the conversation, right? Because she's only been around for six years. Uh, she pretty much daily schools me, you know, yeah. on like <laughs> what's important and what. So yeah, um, I, I definitely, I, I know we all, we all carry, um, you know, 
medicine um, in in us to bring to the the larger conversation. But mm-hmm. um, and of course, my head just completely lost that second thread of the question. <laughs> oh, it was what? What's this first step you think in figuring out what that is for you? Yeah. I do think there's a little bit, again, of turning toward that discomfort, you Mm. know, I I think we, as a culture, you know, especially, um, you know, we, we want things to be kind of shiny and, and spit polished and, and look nice. And that's what we're kind of always try striving towards. And I, I have found, um, again, you know, not, not really super happy about it, but (laughs) it seems to be the case again and again, if I can turn towards the part of me that feels, um, the most complicated, the part of me that feels, um, the most vulnerable, um, you know, uh, the parts of me that maybe I'm not the most keen on, those are typically, I think the parts of me that actually have something useful to share. You know, I, I think of just even going back to like, you know, this, the, the injury that I, you know, cause it's been ongoing. It wasn't like I injured myself. I came back from it and whew, everything's great. You know, I still, you know, through, even with all my practices and managing a chronic pain condition, Um, and it wasn't something I would have chosen. It wasn't something I would wish on anybody because, you know, again, it sucks to be in pain. However, it, it has given me a whole slew of resources and tools that I would not have uncovered had I just been relying upon a purely physical practice to sustain me and grow me. And it's given me the type of compassion um, for other bodies, other abilities, other life circumstances that frankly, I could not have gotten to if I were still, um, you know, doing my, my, you know, daily sun salutation, handstand, you know, all that practice every day. I, I needed to, uh, I, I, I needed to get injured, I guess, you know, in order yeah. to grow these skills. And by turning towards that, it's given me some of, some of my best gifts. Yeah, I think we all have those things in life where we look back and say, oh, this is really informing my path now in a way that I might not have ever anticipated. Um, Sometimes people ask me, oh, did you always know you wanted to be a yoga teacher or be doing what you're doing now? And I'm like, no. No. Yeah. (laughs) No idea whatsoever. Um, And I think it is through what we've been talking about here, staying open to what unfolds in your life, sitting in discomfort, developing the toolkit, all of those things really can help set us on that path um, of where it is now. And then who knows where it will lead next. But that all seems really related to that medicine. Yeah. 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 So Amy, is there anything else you'd like to share before we hop off? Um. Well, I guess, you know, I'm just, I, I just want to speak to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the, the, the work that you both are doing and that you're adding to the larger conversation, because I know when I first started down this path, um, it would have been really easy to replicate a lot of my same kind of body shame, eating disorder type behavior, because a lot of the, um, 
the images of yoga that were being presented at the time. And I mean, so I started my practice, you know, as a teenager, I'm in my thirties now and what there was to look to before yeah. uh, it, it, it kept the conversation in that same groove of like, you know, look beyond yourself. And if you can just, you know, it, cause even my early practice looked like, you know, kind of a form of self punishment, mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it was like, you got to put your body through these certain paces and you got to discipline it and you got to, you know, just a very kind of yang, uh, coercive controlling way to show up with myself. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful for, for, you know, people like yourself entering the conversation and just showing this image of like, no, 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 <laughs> this is not about becoming something other than you are. This is yeah, actually yeah. tuning into exactly who you are and how you're showing up right now. Um, and that's where the, the magic, the healing, you know, all the good stuff starts is, you know, yeah. not turning away, but turning towards. So I just, I love that, um, that's just becoming more and more of the mainstream um, look and feel and conversation of yoga right now. So, so yeah, thank you for, (laughs) for leading that conversation. It's great. Thank you. And I think it's um, each of us doing our piece of the work and we're so glad to know you because everything you're doing is so aligned. And when we were getting to know you through your website and our emails, we were just like, this woman is amazing. (laughs) Aww. Aww. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's that whole, you know, like you only, you only see that reflection in other people that you can, that, that sparked in you too. So maybe we're just, we're jiving in the same, (laughs) same light space. That's right. It certainly seems like it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Amy, and we will definitely link up all of your stuff so that everybody listening can find you and get to know even more about you. Thank you. Thank you both so much. This has really been lovely sharing sharing time and space with you. Thank you you so much. Okay, we are back and we are going to jump right into resource. So Karen has a great resource for you this week. Go ahead. I already know what it is. So... (laughs) Oh, could you change it? <laughs> I lied. Now I'm really excited. <laughs> well, you know, as I was reflecting on, on just kind of the, the the yoga lesson that I feel like I've learned and, and that I've translated on the mat and off the mat, I, I ran into this great um, blog post that I felt like really connected with that. So it's by Leo and I, I may be butchering his last name, but I think it's Babauta. Okay. It's B-A-B-A-U-T-A. Okay. And he's the author of zenhabits.net. And so he has a particular blog post related to comparison. Mm. And, and it's called um, Life's Enough, Stop Comparing Yourself to Others. Oh, it's so good. Right? Yes. Yeah. I've had... So if, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Yeah, if you go to zenhabits.net or even if you um, uh, search for his name, Leo Babauta, B-A-B-A-U-T-A, and, and comparison, I think you'll find it. Okay, and we will. I will find it, and I will make sure that there is a link in the show notes about it so that sure. it'll be easy for you to find it. Um, that's I've had so many conversations recently with friends, and we talk all the time about overhauling your social media Um if it's making you feel miserable and <laughs> had conversations with several friends recently just ha- and they're like, I can't even get on Instagram because like they immediately go to just comparing themselves 
um, to other people and how just detrimental that is to like your entire day. Um, and how hard that is. So I can't write, I can't wait to read that blog post. It sounds amazing. Yeah. I like it because it has a a few tangible really tips on how to kind of check yourself and what to do about it. Yeah. That's helpful. That's, it's nice when someone gives you that, like they don't just say stop comparing yourself to people, but they give you some (laughs) ways to make that actually happen in your life. That's awesome. (laughs) That's so good. Okay. So on to my favorite part. Um, I know that in the past I have talked about my gratitude for the sunshine. Um, and it, this is my gratitude for this week too, is that it is warmth has come to Tennessee. So we didn't have like a true winter this year. It didn't really snow. It didn't, we had a couple really cold days and I am, I'm from upstate New York. So I was always like a big winter girl. I love layers. I love chunky sweaters. I love boots. Like, all of that stuff. But the older I'm getting, (laughs) there's something about just like the warmth and being outside in the sunshine that is just a game changer for like my entire existence. And so we had some like February, March, February and March were bizarre. Like we would have like a 70 degree day and then it would be like a 40 degree day. And I was just like, I can't keep up. Like, I don't know what to wear when I leave the house in the morning. Like, I don't I don't know what to do with my life. So we've had like a consistent couple of weeks where it's been, the weather has just been beautiful. I've been able to like be outside in the garden, like digging in the dirt, which is where I'm happiest. And I am just really thankful that we are, you know, summer is coming. Now, check back with me in July. I'll be pissed because it's like 98 degrees and terrible. (laughs) But for right now, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. So I, my gratitude this week is just for warmth. <laughs> nice. And again, you're always invited to Miami. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> What's the humidity situation in Miami? Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, today has been very windy. So okay. not so bad. Okay. Yesterday was pretty brutal. Okay. That's okay. I can handle it. I actually like my hair the most in humidity. So. <laughs> me too. I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What is your gratitude? So my gratitude is really for this conversation oh. and asking me to, to be on here because, I, again, it just reconnected me with this idea of comparison. Yeah. It gave me an opportunity to check in on that. Yeah. Um, because much as that has been a piece of work for me, it still comes up. Of and course. It still happens. Yeah. And so um, I was just really grateful to, to have the opportunity to – to reflect on that a little bit more today. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad. So how about I close us with one deep breath? Yes. All right. Namaste. Thank you guys. (laughs) 